we're in the last section of Luke chapter nine. It's this weird pivot thing, and I and I I fought it all week. Um, because Jesus is talking about his demands on us following him. And we have that if he is Lord and he is God, he certainly deserves us, right? How many know that the gospel, it's about us, but it's not really about us. It's about him. And as Rodney had said, you know, we make everything about us. And, and when we go systematically through the Bible, you realize more and more that the, that the, the gospel is about us, but the us part is him magnifying himself. <laughs> because when we realize how blessed we are because of what he's done, we realize we're really not the product. We are the praise of the product. I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, hopefully I don't have to backtrack and, and explain that. But Jesus is worthy of all of it, of everything we have. Paul discovered this. We discovered this. And unfortunately, we live in a context in Western society and Western Christianity which really makes the gospel just about us. It really is just all about me. And it's hard to break. That's called religion. That's called the Christian religion. If you're a Christian religionist, then that's how you think. If you're a disciple of Christ, you realize that your life is now all of his. Now, the cool part of that is when you give all of you, all of a sudden you get all of him, and you realize, well, that's a totally great trade. I, I'll, I'll take that trade. Uh, but if you instead make Jesus the follower of you, then you take him on as the addendum to your life. And so Luke writes this, uh, he, he writes these three incidences in the middle of this story, and I'll, I'll read them to you. It's three guys come to him. Well, three guys are in his context and come to him, and they all say, I'm going to follow you. Let's read it. This is Luke 9, 43 to 50. And we're not really sure. Well, let's just read it. It says, and then he, that's Jesus, and his disciples went to another village. Now, if you remember last week, uh, they were in Samaria, and, and the disciples decided it was a good time to, to burn the Samaritans because they were rejecting us. How many like rejection? Nobody likes rejection. When you feel rejection, you want to call down fire from heaven and destroy the people around you. Okay, because that's, that's, that was a common thing to do, uh, which Jesus said, you do not know of what spirit you are. I have came to save people, not to destroy them, so stop it. Okay, so then, and then he and his disciples went to another village after that little talk. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, 
Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So basically, if you follow me, you're going to be homeless. And he goes, oh, I thought I was going to get to be in the cool club where we have lots of comfort. That wasn't the way of Jesus. All right. So this first guy says, I will follow you. Then the second guy, Jesus replied, he said, okay, I've got no place to lay his head. And he said, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. And the context there is that basically I'm probably the firstborn son. I'm responsible for my family, and I need to be with them until uh, my father is buried. Okay, that's possible. Okay, and then Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So Jesus would have none of it. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Okay, so I'm going to begin by my my angst here. Because as I'm reading and meditating upon these things, I'm, I'm like, which disciple am I? Which excuse do I have when, I, when Jesus calls me? Now, to true Christians, not cultural Christians, Jesus has called you, and his calling is, come and follow me. And that means, obey me. That means you're really in this now for me. I'm not in it for you. I'm not following you. You are following me. Again, I, I want to reiterate that most of us, and even from time to time, is like some of you are like, I'm totally following Jesus. But every once in a while, we're like, actually, Jesus is following me. And I'm doing whatever I want to do. And Jesus is just here to bless it. He's like my personal blessing savior. Uh, has anybody lived this way? Okay. It's easy to get the things flipped around. And I was thinking in all of these contexts, Jesus was really straightforward with them and saying, this is not about you. If you follow me, if you want the, the fullness of the kingdom, you cannot live with me as just the blesser for you. Okay. So, uh, so I struggle with this because I, even as I was driving, I, I left my warm house and I had, was in my warm car and I was driving by and I was looking at my neighbors remodeling their houses. Going, man, that would be nice to live. Maybe I'd like to live there. And I'm driving along and I was just enjoying kind of what, you know, we were, all, we were all saying is like, we really like this comfort thing. We really like stuff. How many shop during Black Friday? I mean, why do they call it Black Friday? I know why they call it Black Friday. It's not Light Friday? No. It's, it's the illusion of scarcity and savings. Of course, everything costs twice as much now, so <laughs> the 50% off is what it was last year. You should have got it while it was hot. All right, just kidding. All right, so where was I? Uh, but 
we're, we're, in a, we're in a culture that is constantly selling us this all the time. You need it, you need it, you need it. And I was, I was thinking even during my study, it's like, how often do I think about those that have nothing that I could help with my something? Instead, I need just that one more thing. What would happen if Christians in a revolution decided they wanted less? <laughs> they said, no, I don't need that. I can afford it, and I would like it, and it's going to sit in my drawer after a year of enjoyment. Anybody else clearing stuff out so you make room for the new stuff coming in? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, my, my daughter, she, she had a baby shower yesterday, and she's had two now because she's having a baby, and which is crazy. But what happens is when you have kids, you get stuff. And then you get more stuff. And then if you have a house or something, then you start filling up the garage with stuff. And then it never ends. I have boxes. My kids are adult children. I have boxes of their stuff in my garage that I cannot get rid of because it's important to them. They're not, they didn't take their stuff. But anyway, my daughter will, will learn that there's going to be lots more stuff coming. But she'll probably think, I do need this for my child, right? We know that. We just know that that's the mindset. So I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to frame our talk a little bit about pressing back against our culture because it seems to me as I read this and as I struggled through this, that Jesus was saying, if you follow me, I might ask you to sacrifice things like your comfort, like your time, like your, your direction, so that you can have me. Because what would it profit a man if he gains the entire world and yet loses his soul? You know where we read that? In the same chapter. <laughs> about two months ago, I, I think Gio talked about it. It was, a great, it was a great talk, and he did the same struggle as I'm doing right now. He was dancing in a struggle, going, I'm reading it, Lord. I'm preaching it, Lord. But I'm having a hard time doing it. Okay, so the pursuit of Jesus is the pursuit of doing it, right? Let me read that for you. So he starts this talk really much earlier in verse 23. He says, and he was saying to them all, the disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. For what good does it do a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits himself? See, we're stuck in a culture that is trying to make us forfeit ourselves. We really are. And the only balance that we have is the Word of God and our community and the Holy Spirit saying, don't go that way, because it leads, in the end, 
to nothingness. Like Omri was saying, don't need it unless God gave it to me. That's a pretty good perspective. I'm still looking at the sales because Cyber Monday is coming tomorrow. I missed back Friday, but Cyber Monday's coming. It's like my wife. I tell her, we'll go. She said, it's on sale. I'm like, huh? They run a sale every week. It's always on sale because that's the word that makes you follow sale. Anyway, she goes, I know. But it's still fun to shop. Anyway, where was I? Back to their story. So, so I put down here, what does it take to follow Jesus? And there, there's, kind of, there's three areas where Jesus challenges us, and I hope that we will take it to heart, meditate on it, and be challenged ourselves. The first one is leaving your zone of comfort. The first guy comes and he says, I will follow you wherever. And he goes, will you follow me to homelessness? Um, I wasn't thinking about homelessness. <laughs> I will follow you anywhere but homelessness. And really what he's saying there is, if you follow me, you're not going to be comfortable. You're not going to be, and Kendra brought it up, you, you might have to lose some friends. You might have to gain some friends. You might have to like people in this room. That could be uncomfortable. No, not in this room, but people online. Love you. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> it's not that way. But Jesus was saying that walking with me is not always going to be comfortable. And even more than that, he might ask us to do things that are sacrificial, that, w- that we think are sacrificial. And I, I know a few weeks ago we, t- we talked about that we're, we're going to have a season of fasting. Everybody loves to fast especially after Thanksgiving, for at least a day. Anyway, um, but I, w- I was thinking about this because we rarely do things that we feel are sacrificial, do we? And, and I, I w- I've been thinking about this, that season that's coming. It's coming. I'm not going we're to, we're going to do it. But I was thinking that while we're fasting, may it bring us into that place of discomfort, so that we realize that most of the world is very uncomfortable right now. Do you guys know that? We're in the top 1% of the comfortable beings. No matter where we are, we have, we have stuff that, that insulates us from the reality that the whole world is needing us to participate in a sacrificial way for them. You know how many refugees there are in the world now? Uh, well, anyway, I won't, I won't press it. But I, I hope it lays on our hearts, especially in this season, because, see, Jesus was that person. He was the refugee. He was a refugee in Egypt for a while as a kid, right? He was the child born out of wedlock. He was the poor child. He was the one that lost his dad. He was the one that was despised and rejected of friends, right? He was that guy. And he calls us to remember those people. Anyway, so anyway, this guy said, I will follow you. We don't know what happened to him. Jesus was actually in the process of 
in, in the next chapter, we, if, if we turn the chapter, he gathers 72 more people to preach the gospel. And I think he was starting this little collection of these three people was about those people. All right. Um, it's interesting that all of these guys have uh, an, an excuse. And I am constantly fighting in my own personal devotion of an excuse for why I should live very comfortably and have God too. Do you, does anybody else struggle with this? See, that's why you have to read your Bible more. Because if you read it, you're like, oh, shoot, he's asking me to do something beyond my comfort zone. All right, I'll just go on. Um, because that is the gospel. But then when you do that, then all of a sudden you realize that's where the addition comes, right? When you lose yourself, you gain, right? All right, moving on. Now, the second guy, of course, he says, and, and I, I, like, I, I like his wording. He says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. This is called me first. How many? Struggle with the me first. <laughs> he says, Lord, he goes, Lord, which is a statement of you're in charge of everything. When you, when you call him the Lord, Lord, that's like he's the king. Who's above the king? No one. But he's telling the king, me first. Let me first do this. And Jesus is like, you just called me Lord and then decided you wanted to go first. You can't do that. So with that, um, even, even our best excuse just gets in the way of discipleship. And he's, he had a good reason, right? Wasn't it all about family? Right? In the culture there? You got to take care of your mom and dad, right? And Jesus says, you know what? In this age, there's a priority that goes beyond that. And if I call you, you've got to, to go, go with that. Okay. First, one thing I know is that I do struggle with trying to make Jesus first in my life. Anybody else? And yet, Jesus gives us opportunity to practice that all the time. Right? So we can be the first to bless the people around us. Did any, was anybody with, with family over Thanksgiving? Any arguments? Any difficulties? Any things you wanted to say but didn't say? Because you're good. Christian. Okay, was I the only guy that yelled at my mother-in-law? No, I didn't yell at her. I, just, I, I didn't yell at her. There was a point of disagreement to which I addressed. And I even told my youngest daughter, I, I said, I'm going to try to be more spiritual this year. See if I can hold my tongue. And then I couldn't. I don't know what happened to me. So now I have to go around that mountain again. And 
me first. That's what the guy says. So he says, Lord, you're my Lord, but I, but I, I want to I do this first. So I don't know about you, but Jesus gives us an opportunity to do first things. He gives us the opportunity to first love. He gives us the opportunity to be the first to forgive those that hurt us. He gives us the opportunity to be the first to pray for those who are needing something or even for our enemies, those that are you're not working. He gives us the ability to be the first to give. In fact, the very act of a disciple is learning how to put God first. This guy, I think he followed him. Because Jesus said, let the, bur- let the dead bury the dead. And he's like, but what about my dad? And I think he followed him. Because Jesus, he wasn't his, his desire to be the one, I will follow you. It was Jesus' desire. Now, I want to go back really just for a minute because it was early in my notes. When Jesus calls us, and if you've heard his voice and he said, come and follow me, he's not calling you to a job. He's not even calling you to obedience. All of that follows. He's calling you, what Stephanie said, to, obe- to intimacy with him. And if you, your view of Jesus is like, I just have to do something for him, then you miss the call. The call was, come and follow me. And in that context, people would follow uh, teachers uh, around at that time. But I, I want you to live with me in such a way that you understand how I think. Because Jesus was modeling all the way along This is how a human relates to to Father God. Even though he was fully God, he was also fully human. And he was going to show them that you're as selfish as every other human. And Jesus could have been selfish too. But instead, he says, I'm going to teach you how to follow me so that I'm first. Right now, it's a lifelong process. I've been walking this for 30 years, and guess what? There's still a little stew in there somewhere. I know I've been pressing them down, and I've been pounding on them for years, going, go away. Do not address your mother-in-law that way. But he's in there. And as I walk with Jesus, he will show me, and he has been showing me every year for 37 years, that I can grow. All right, last but not least, let's do it. The last guy and um, says this. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and kiss my mom. He says, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow will look and looks back as fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Now, what's interesting about this uh, is we're back to Elijah. 
Remember Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration? And remember last week we talked about calling down fire from heaven. That's something that Elijah did. And this, again, points to Elijah and actually Elisha. Elisha, his successor, said when Elijah called him, can I go back and say goodbye to mom and dad? And Elijah said, yes. And so he went back, and he had, he had, they had, their family was very wealthy. They had 12 pair of oxen. And he took his oxen and the plow and everything, and he sacrificed the oxen, and he took his plow, and he made it the firewood, and he had a barbecue, and he said goodbye. This is in 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, 19, and 20. In fact, I, I put it in my notes. I'll even read it to you. This is what it says. So Elijah went from there and found uh, Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing. He was actually plowing at the time he was called with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my mother and my father. Goodbye, he said. And then I'll come to you. And Elijah said, yeah, go back. So Elisha left him, and he went back, and he took his yoke of oxen, and he slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Okay, so I wanted you to get the context, because you're going, why is Jesus talking about looking back from the plow? Because he's, he's making this point is that very often we want to look back at our life and have something back there. We want to be in the rearview mirror. And even more so, he's not calling us so much to follow as a follower, but more as, as a prophetic type person, as a person who is willing to give everything to him. Okay. So Jesus tells them, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service. How many can think of another story where somebody looked back? Huh? Lot's wife. She's like, really? Leaving my house? Burning? It's got to be better back there. Now, Jesus was reminding us that there's nothing back there worth having. Paul reminded us in Philippians, there's nothing back there worth having. Following Jesus is everything. And I wanted to just encourage us and challenge us and challenge me as I do in the mirror. I want to follow Jesus more now than ever. And yet this culture keeps calling me back. But you can have Jesus and this too. And you can. That's the weird thing. We only have to sacrifice what he asks us to sacrifice, right? But I, am I in a place to listen when he's asking me? And that's what the relationship 
of intimacy with Jesus is all about. Discipleship, it seems from these little stories, calls for a single-minded devotion to Jesus. Not something that we can be divided about. How many are convicted like I am today about the way you're living? Anybody? Okay, good. It's just me. Because I read this and I say to myself, I did this. And then I didn't do it. And yes, I'm going to. And yes, I will. And I just think, uh, you know, really, anytime we gather, we're making a new commitment to Jesus. Right? Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up my cross, your cross daily. And today, I don't know what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. Maybe he might be saying, listen to that guy is going to get you in trouble. Because we could create a revolution ourselves. This small group of people only took 120 in the New Testament to turn the world upside down. I think as we follow Jesus this morning, he might open our eyes to the need around us so that we can participate in a much more intense way. So with that, I will pray with you. Maybe you guys just need to pray for me because I really had a struggle with this. Really had a struggle. I'm like, ah, I hate it when I read my Bible. And I could have just skipped it and you guys wouldn't have even known. I could have said, we're in chapter 10 today. And just skip those three guys that were just like me, challenged by Jesus. And yet, today I say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. So, let's pray. Ah, Lord, you know our hearts. You know, and I, I know... I know everybody in the room here is aimed at your face and saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. But I get distracted with everything else in this world. But you've given us your Holy Spirit now to teach us, to guide us, to have us question, is this the way to go? Can I follow you? the way you call me to follow you. Lord, I know we all have a passion for you, everyone in this room. And I just uh, thank you that we're in a time and in a season and in a, a, a season in our world where we're going to get an opportunity to share the kingdom of God in a much more profound way through actions, through our giving, our forgiving, our prayers, our love. And Lord, that you would open our eyes even today 
to those needs that are around us and how we can participate. Uh, there's needs in the room, there's needs in the world, and uh, that you would keep us mindful of those things. We love you, Lord. We choose to follow you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Don't forget to pray for me. I still believe there's more heights to ascend. And I want to take those steps and not be bogged down with stuff of this world. And now that we're coming into the shopping season, it's going to be that much harder. Uh, so without further ado, God bless those of you who have joined us online. I pray that you would meditate upon these verses as well and uh, be challenged and encouraged at the same time because we're holding this, this thing together and saying, I can follow Jesus and have uh, what, what he has given us. So thank you. We'll see you guys later.